Okay. And the other question I asked you was around, um, you know, being a um, first time investor, literally just starting out, like, I don't know what I don't know. Um, in addition to educating myself on how best to invest, what are some other things that I should be doing? Okay, so I have, a, 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 you know, Jessica, maybe it's a point where I have a presentation just on, I call it the most important question you should ask yourself because be, before getting started. But I go through the questions, me with the, I guess I have a, some obsession with questions uh, somewhat. Um, here are a couple of things I, I want you to ask yourself and maybe some exercise you can do to, to, to answer because only you can, can really answer those questions. So uh, questions such as how much money I have available in, in from where, okay? Can I get a mortgage? Do I know my buying budget? Okay, 150 in the example we talked about. Then um, how much time do I, do I have to allocate to it? Meaning if you have a full-time job, then maybe finding the house that needs work or, or you know, not in a really good shape that will require you three months on week, weekend warrior kind of a thing. Maybe that's until it comes to the point that it generates, maybe it's not a, big, a good scenario for you. Or maybe your job is such that it actually enables you to do that. So what kind of uh, availability you have? Um, also, at the point you are in right now in your investment journey, which sounds like you're at the, at the starting point or the beginner point, maybe ask yourself how much risk you're willing to, to take and maybe kind of say, keep telling yourself, lowering my risk will help you succeed in my, you know, from my experience. Um, those are uh, those are the kind of general question. More specific question, and this is I think really important. If you have concerns and fears, which we all do, the best exercise you can do is literally list them down. If you can identify them as much as specific as possible, and I'll give you an example in a second, it will help you tremendously. For example, will it rent? Who will manage it? Who will do the repairs? Right? Look how specific I am. Um, what kind of house I'm, you know, what kind of a house I'm, what kind of property I'm looking to buy, right? Townhomes, condo, single family, three bedrooms, four bedrooms, like really, you know, uh, um, um, the more fears, concerns, obstacles you, you will list, the more specific you will be with it, the better the service you will do to yourself. Because once you identified all of them, even if it's not a perfect list, it could be five items, it could be 27 items, it doesn't matter. But once they have been identified, you will be able to start tackling them one by one. It's divide and conquer, because when we talk about risk, you know, for me, when I even say the word, I'm like, I feel like I'm doing this justice because risk is like a, like a cloud, right? What is risk? Let's break it down. So that means, let's say you, you came up with a list of 20 items, right? And you are able to tackle with an expert, with a mentor, with friends online, one of those, you know, one by one, all those items, let's say out of the, of the 20, 15, you got a satisfying answer. On three, you really don't have an answer. And on two, the answer is not really satisfying, right? So not an ideal, not an ideal situation. However, much better when, from where you were about risk and what to do, you know, maybe two weeks ago, okay? So that will advance you. The last thing that I, uh, the last exercise that I would suggest you would do with yourself, write down the criteria of the property. Meaning, what is the minimum threshold of the property you're looking for that if you see it, you will say, 
I'm interested. For example, the minimum, I'm saying the minimum, why? Because everything above the minimum will be no, not, not a problem, right? Uh, so let's just say it's gotta be three bedrooms at minimum. It's gotta be two bathrooms. It's gotta be at least a thousand square feet. It's gotta have a backyard. It's gotta have at least one car garage. It's gotta be, you know, one or two levels are okay. Basement, yes, no, okay. See, I'm kind of going through all those items. It, it can be comp something completely different, right? It has to be a duplex, yeah? But if you list those items down and you identify the minimum type of property that qualifies, when you start looking at properties, it will be much easier for you to eliminate the irrelevant ones and focus on the relevant one. And when you see a property that meets all your items and the criteria one by one, age, square footage, that should tell you something. This is something that it's a good fit for me. That doesn't mean you'll buy it, but at least it will help eliminate the noise and let you focus on the qualified ones for you, not qualified ones for me, for you and everything that exceeds, right? Even better. So if you, for example, if you say three bedrooms, but four bedrooms is okay. And if you said at least 1980 built and it's 1990, so it's like even better, right? Even better. Those are the little things that I'm looking for. But what I, I just want to tell you that I really love those questions that you asked. And what I've seen over the years, most investors, even experienced ones, do not take the five, 10 minutes that it takes to do those exercises, right? It's not that they're not that complicated once you know what to do. Most people just don't take the time. Okay, that answers? Yes, thank you so much. All right, thank you. Uh, I think Patty has a question as well, Danny. Okay. Go ahead, Patty. Well, actually, this is Clint, Patty's husband. Oh, thank you so sorry, much. Clint. <laughs> thank you so much for the presentation. Uh, this is fantastic. Um, my question is, um, if you're gonna invest in properties out of your local area, you're gonna go out of state, um, two, three, whatever, how far away, um, when do you, or what, what is your criteria for you to justify putting your own boots on the ground to investigate the properties? Um, we are, we have 37 years experience as realtors um, and we dealt with many home inspectors. Uh, we've seen many of them miss major things. Um, um, I have vast carpentry experience and I like to check out properties myself if I can. Um, and preferably work, work inspect a property with the inspector if I can. Um, so do you do that and, uh, or what's, how do you deal with those things? Okay. Um, we always buy with an inspection. Okay. I learned over the years to know how to pick the inspectors. I don't want to say the inspectors. Nowadays, I'm mainly, I, 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 there's a certain system that some inspectors, uh, software are using, which I found to be the most elaborate comprehensive, transparent, clear to follow, clear to understand. And I only use inspectors that use that. And just by means of that software, things look completely different. I'm still seeing every once in a while an inspection report coming from the older version of the black and white and the checkboxes that it's not really clear what they're saying. And I'm just, you know, I, 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 I get, uh, yeah, I get super annoyed, right? Right. Uh, now, we have our teams do a walkthrough. We have our property managers attempt to do a walkthrough. It doesn't always work, uh, especially with COVID. Uh, so we add few checks and balances into the 
our system in order to ensure we have multiple professionals looking at the property, providing information, because my working assumption. So let me let me let me let me let me let me take a little sidetrack. Every once in a while, I get one of our a new client asking us, "Do I recommend they fly and see the properties?" Right? I get it quite a bit, and my answer is yes, always. If you can, at least when you're starting out. I think it will be a really good learning experience, confidence experience, et cetera. There's a whole spiel about, about it. I'm not gonna dive into it. So the simple answer is I really do and like when people do that. That has been my answer for more than 10 years. 85% of my clients buy sight and seen and will never see their properties. Actually, after, after COVID, it's more close to 95%. Wow. We'll never see the properties. Although my answer, right, you, you would think if I give that recommendation, why wouldn't you follow? But I know they're busy, they're lazy, whatever, right? Spoiled. I always say my clients are busy, lazy, and I spoil them. Okay. <laughs> so I understand whatever I, I, my answer is, people show me how they behave. You know, they, they vote by their, you know, by, 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 you know by, by their, how do you say full vote? By their, uh, by their feet. Uh, mm -hmm. um, so I need to make sure our ground teams are trying to compensate, um, over you know for the for you know, for the transparency. It's not an easy task. It's never an easy task with real estate people, but I can tell you that, uh, for example, one of the property managers that we work with in one of the markets, when he does the walkthrough, he goes and the the way he walks the property and explains is just you know the the property manager, not the the realtor that run through the rooms. Here's a problem. Here's a thing. Here's a thing. Here's a thing. I would do this. I would do this. By the way, da, 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 da. you know, he he sent me a video earlier in the week. It was two videos for the same house. One was seven minutes. One was twenty-five minutes. Right, twenty-five minutes. Wow. So that's not all of them are at that level. Some are, we are trying to bring all of them, but that's the, to send the point that even if they don't do the video, they they send the report. Okay, so we have multiple eyes, checks and balances to mitigate the remoteness purchase. Don't think for a second that it's perfect. Those are people and people make mistakes and that, but it's all about not seeking the perfection, but seeking the reducing the chances of things, you know, fall through the cracks. And we get our property managers get involved in the transaction very soon in the process, right? So they don't end up inheriting a problem they could easily identify in advance. Again, yeah, so not having, always, but that's really works well. Yeah, having something like the like Figo have a, a major structural issue that uh, uh, perhaps home inspector may have missed that uh, uh, that can uh, that uh, can come and bite you when you go to sell, and it comes up and it, it hits your bottom line, and um, and if you can avoid that uh, by seeing yourself, if you have you know what to look for, um, I would think that would be a, a good uh, uh, consideration to make. So normally between a realtor doing a walkthrough, an inspector, and a property manager, at least one of them will 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 see the the problem. You know, in the earlier phase of the transaction, not when we are uh, owning the property. Can it happen? Absolutely. I just sure. don't remember when it did happen to us something like that, but it definitely could. You know, again, people. But um, uh, let me let me tell you one other thing that um, one of my investors did, maybe almost fifteen years ago. He was super nervous buying the first rental. Super, super nervous, right? And after he completed the purchase, we had a conversation. He said, 
you know, I sent two inspectors to the house. And I said, you did what? He said, I was so nervous. I thought that anyway, I'm going to do one inspection. But if I'm going to send a second inspector, it will be another professional going to the house, giving me another opinion. And it's going to be cheaper than me going there. Because I'm in the Bay Area yeah, and the house. That's in the, a good in, thing. Good thing. So at first I said, what? You're crazy to myself. And after the call came, I'm like, I like that idea. He, he yes. found a way to solve a stressful situation for him because there's no reason. There was not a reason for him to be super stressful. He was just in that position, you know, by his nature, right? right. Nothing in the property called for that. So that's how we found the solution. And you know what? He's the first and last that I've known who've done that. And I think it's a terrific idea to help, you know, to, at least to, you know, it doesn't necessarily find more, but it helps, you know, putting the easiness into your decision-making to feel you're, you're doing a good decision. I like it. I love it. Okay. Yes. Thank you very much. Sure. With pleasure. Thank you. I, I see that Joe has his hand up as well, but um, Zineb had a question uh, from the chat first. Um, do, do you want to unmute yourself and then Zineb? we can go to Joe's question? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for the presentation. Um, I'm coming from Australia, Melbourne today. So my question is that uh, two parts to the question actually. Um, the first one is this, the, the strategy that you have for, for us. It does that involve traveling to the US or being in the US um, every now and then? Um, mm -hmm. and the, yeah, and the second part of the question is that um, me and my partner, we are busy professionals. So um, real estate is something that I really want to do, but cannot make it my primary full-time job. So I can only be hands off, but I still really want to do this. So is your strategy involves me being hands-on or hands-off? Okay. How does it go? Perfect, okay. perfect you. questions. I love it. First of all, thank you for asking. I love hearing we have, I was wondering if anyone from our Australian team will jump on the call. Um, I love that that, that you did because I was uh, kind of asking myself, um, um, so let, let me answer it in you know, a few things. So first of all, I work with a lot of Israelis, okay? So I have a lot of experience from Israelis buying in the, investing in the US, okay? I'm originally from, from there myself. So working with foreigners and knowing a lot of the challenges of foreigners, I have a lot of experience with it. I will say this. I have, I have spoken to Australian in the past, but I've never had an Australian client. So that means maybe between Israel and, and Israel, we have a lot of experience in Australia. There's some new nuances that we need to refine, probably, maybe not that you know, challenging, but I don't think it's a much bigger, much, you know, a big difference between the two. Maybe just you know, a few little things. I will tell you, uh, um, um, regarding the challenges you may be facing and there's ways to overcome them. Number one, if you're buying, if you're looking to get a mortgage in the US, assuming you're not a US citizen and you do not have US credits, okay? It's gonna be very challenging. Not impossible, 
super challenging. I don't want to dive into it because it can be a lengthy conversation by itself and we can maybe have it that discussion separately because a lot of the people here are, are not foreigners. Simple answer is, are there options for, for non-US people to get a mortgage to buy in the US? Yes. Is it simple? Not at all, but there are options, okay? Second, um, some logistics. For example, opening a bank account remotely is pretty much impossible, right? I'm saying pretty much because there are some solutions, but for the most part, it's challenging. So do you have to have a bank account in order to invest in US real estate? No. Will having a bank account make your life easier? Yes, okay? So just, you know, it's, uh, it's not a clear yes and no. It's just to give you that example. Um, most of my Israeli clients who buy in the US for years do not travel at any point, not to see, not to check, never, okay? Can they? Yes. Do some of them do? Absolutely, very rarely. Some of them actually uh, do it while they're already coming to the US. By the way, it's just a side note, it can be even a tax deduction to you if should you decide to visit your property before or during or after you purchase it, right? Just a little, a little anecdote. So, um, so that will tell you regarding the question, do you need to travel a lot? No, uh, you don't have to. I'm not saying there are not gonna be some issues and challenges and we will help and you will ask questions and maybe some expectations gap or knowledge gap, it will be. There, there's no doubt in my mind. But basically, I would say with us, don't assume you will need to, you need to travel at all unless you want to. Um, lastly, you said about time commitment, uh, how much time is necessary. I will tell you, I want to break it into two parts. There is the acquisition purchasing phase and there is the management, ongoing management phase. In the process of making a decision about what to buy, we, it's your decision. You will need to make that, that decision, you guys. We will try to help you. We being Jessica, myself, the realtor, the property manager, etc., to help you make the decision, but you will have to make the decision. Okay, let's put an offer on this property, right? Just saying, let's put an offer on this property may cost us two hours of kind of back and forth scattered over a few days, for example and may happen again and may happen again if the offer that we submit does not get accepted so will you need some time commitment in order to buy and make a decision absolutely right i would tell you that i have rarely some rarely i have clients who tell me what do i know you pick a property for me and we do that but i don't expect anyone who knows us for the first time to just put that much trust in us Right. If I if I sound nice guy, if I sound knowledgeable and you're comfortable with it, by all means. But I don't expect anyone to be in that position. And I want your input. Right. I think it's really important. And maybe when you come to property number two, you'll be a little bit more comfortable letting it go and letting us, you know, help you with the with the, with the time aspect of making the decision. Right. Once you purchase it, and you own that property. And let me just clarify, because I don't know if you have, it sounds like you don't have experience with US properties, but I will say you own the property. We do not partner. We don't even buy and sell those properties to you. You're 100% owner of the property. All the decisions regarding the property are absolutely yours. We can just advise this uh, help, you know, et cetera. Once you own it and you work with a property manager, 
if you heard me earlier, there's gonna be some friction, noise in the system. And I would, I would say, assume about an hour on average per month dealing with the property. And maybe that's even scattered uh, over, over some few, few uh, uh, communication uh, emails and phone calls, right? So is it hands off completely? No, right? If that's what you're looking for, I will tell you right now, not a good fit, right? Is it time consuming and you're gonna be, you know, spending two hours a day dealing with your properties? Well, could it happen? Yes. Does it happen, Jessica? Not really, not, right? So assume that it's not hands-off 100%, but you can also assume it will take, it will not overtake your life. The way our system, right? I'm not talking about real estate altogether. My, our clients are, like I said, busy, spoiled, uh, uh, you know, and, and want hands-off as much as possible. And we try to design our decision process, our systems and process to eliminate as much friction as possible and provide a lot of support. So it doesn't, you know, doesn't become a burden on you. We want you to be able, all our clients, to buy one and another one and another one. And my goal is that those properties are actually in the background of your life, not in the forefront, right? Besides here and there, that's gonna, that's gonna happen. So those are, I think that pretty much answers everything you asked. Did I miss anything? No, that was a great answer and perfect for my situation. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for answering that. And, and you did mention probably um, two, probably three. So that, that feels great. Um, uh, good to know that it's not a short-term strategy, but more long-term and sort of like um, hopefully aligns with my goal of becoming sort of financially independent from, from properties and, and not just like a side business for fun. That's not what I'm doing this. So yeah, great to know. Um, I'll connect with you on a strategy call. All right, Hopefully. that's terrific. Thank you. Great. Okay. Thank you, Zineb. All right, uh, Joe? Hey guys, can you hear me? Hey, we yes. can. Hi, awesome. Joe. Hey, Danny, thank you guys so much for what you're doing. Appreciate everything yeah. you guys are sharing. Uh, I just got one question. I'm about to pull the trigger soon on investing. And uh, uh, from your experience, I just wanted to ask, um, is it worth it to start an LLC now before I get started? Or should I just go for it from your experience? Like when you first started, did you start an LLC or did you just go okay. for it? And then uh, did you learn like you should have gotten an LLC? Okay. <laughs> So, just, just, um, uh, do you mind, uh, Joe, if you, if you don't mind, I have like a follow-up questions because it could be a little bit relevant and I'll, I'll give you my answer, but yeah, no, uh, that's you're buying with a cash mortgage, residential, commercial, if you don't mind sharing just a little bit, I don't want to take up too much of you guys time, but, uh, just to let you guys in, we are in the process of refi cashing out of our house. We're going to have over six figures that we're pulling out. Mm -hmm. And my plan is to go to other States cause I'm here in Southern California, San Diego. So we're gonna plan to, yep. <laughs> Thank you, Equity, <laughs> my man. Uh, but yeah, we're planning to go to like Texas, Florida or Arizona. And my plan is to put uh, like 1.5% or 5% down on uh, multifamily homes and then basically start uh, my investments through those and uh, hopefully collect some cash flow. but of course doing the numbers right first before. Multifamily being uh, duplex, complex, mm -hmm. or triplex, okay. whatever I can. So up to four kind of a thing? Yeah, up to four, because okay. I believe anything after is okay. commercial, right? Okay. So I'm going to, I'm, uh, listen, uh, uh, let, me, let me talk about it. Um, I'll try to be brief, but I will tell you, I have a whole episode 
Oh, nice. Okay. podcast about LLCs and it definitely a chapter, mm -hmm. a whole chapter on it in, with, on the video, because it, oh, if there's one question that always comes up, there's not a single event I'm, I'm, I'm speaking that this doesn't come up, right? Um, yeah. I will say the following. First of mm -hmm. all, the LLC concept has been something I'm a little bit obsessed about, right? I don't have a lot of things I'm obsessed about. And the reason is, it's not, it's not being obsessed about it. It's, it's the reason is I think that throughout my history of investing, the LLC for residential has been put on a pedestal as if the, it's that the, oh, LLC, right? Okay. I, I have a little bit, a little bit in love-hate relationship with the idea. So first of all, generally speaking, it depends, of course, right? If you're, what you're telling me in my mind doesn't have to be an automatic LLC situation. And I'll, I'll elaborate in a second. However, if you, that's why I asked, if you are doing commercial properties, you know, um, that is very common to actually, it's pre even preferred by lenders that you will be in an entity, LLC or something else. If you're flipping higher risk, I would uh, suggest to consider, uh, you consider LLC. So I think LLC, the way I look at it is this. There's, first of all, LLC is part of your, um, protection, you're probably asking it from an asset protection kind of a view. Um, you should have a, a property insurance. I would suggest that you have add an umbrella because it's super cheap. And then maybe the LLC. Now, here are a couple of things you, you need to know about the LLC. Generally speaking, lenders who provide the best mortgages, conventional mortgages out there, do not want to lend to an LLC, right? Yes. So much so, in the past, they would even have you sign a clause that says that if you transfer to an entity or change title, they can call the, the loan, meaning within 30 days, you have to pay it, right? It actually still exists in mortgages. However, there's some loopholes, someone uh, that told me that it may be waived by the federal government for investment properties. I don't even know if that loophole is for real or just quoting yeah. something, yeah. Gotcha. Now, in, my, in the past 50, 15 years or so, right? Maybe less, 12, 13 years. Every opportunity, and I'm going to present it here as well, that had it, any, every event that I spoke, webinar or, or live event, I asked the, the, the people that are participating, and I'm asking everybody here, do you have a story that an LLC saved the day or the lack of LLC ruined the day? And when I mean a story, I want details. I know this house, this is what happened to this person in this property or this state, whatever. I don't want stories of my friend of a friend of a friend who happens to be an attorney, blah, 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 right? Now, yeah. I have been searching for the story like I'm presenting here. By the way, I'm, I'm, I'm saying anyone who has a story, tell me or text it. I'm really interested to learn that the LLC was, you know, came to the rescue or not. 12, 13 years hundreds of speaking engagements. Finally, in 2008, uh, 2000, maybe in 17, 16, 15, someone's raised their hand in one of my events in, the, in, in Silicon Valley. I have a story, someone that I know. I know personally, I know him and his wife. I know them well. I said, all right, tell me, uh, uh, tell me your story. We have a property in Colorado, not in Denver somewhere. And a, and a rental and someone walked and someone walked on the property and not the tenant and broke their leg and they 
filed, you know, and, and, and they sued us, right? Oh my God. So you had an LLC and it saved you. No, we didn't have an LLC. So what did you do? You lose everything. No, there was insurance. They filed for 50,000. Insurance came in um, and it said it on 25, done deal. Ooh, okay, nice story, nice ending. Just to show you once again, LLC is, is maybe not as pedestal worthy as it is. So in my mind is this, do, do you have to have an LLC? I don't think so. I, that's just my take. I would mitigate by taking care of your property, making sure you do have the insurance. By the way, guess what? Today, I left a message to my one of my insurance agents on one of my properties to update the value of the dwelling in the policy because the house pretty much doubled, right? So I, just as a reminder, if I keep it this way, I'm not fully covered, so just as an idea. So I make sure you have a, a, a good property. Take care of your property. Some people neglect to take care of their properties. Now, neglect is either not doing the supervision to make sure everything is okay, and neglect, let's say there is a, a wire exposed and you're fighting you, you or the, the property manager is fighting with, with, with the tenant who needs to fix it, right? A $50 repair, and you're fighting over while there's a liability exposure, right? I call it clear stupidity, right? F fix it first, fight later, right? That's my take. And that's what I tell the property manager when situations like this, take care of it. I don't care because it's a liability. In a liability situation, I want to avoid, so I don't have to put it to the, to the test, any structure, but also I have people, they're living in the house, right? They may get hurt. That's still, even if they don't sue, it's not, it's not okay, right? So let's take care of that. So good, good insurance, take care of your property. Umbrella, super cheap, right? While you're determining, yes, LLC, which state, what am I gonna do? Blah, 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 back and forth, back and forth. Just get an umbrella, right? You, you think it's not enough? You know how much more money it's to go from $2 million coverage to $5 million? Maybe $150 a year, right? Or something like that, right? Maybe $200. It's super cheap. It's a no-brainer. So if you do all those things, you will probably be better off than needing an LLC. Can you add an LLC to your protection mechanism on the top? It couldn't hurt. It's a little bit annoying, some costs, some more tax returns. So there's an advantage to it, but it couldn't hurt for say. I do not think it's necessary. It could even interfere with the mortgage with the, with the mortgaging aspect of it. So that's gonna, so one more thing to deal with, right? So that's just kind of my general concept about the LLC. By the way, Joe, if you are a horrible landlord and you're not taking care of your property and you're ne neglecting it, LLC may not even protect you. It's not a bulletproof, right? Mm -hmm. So if it comes to that point, someone may say, I'm sorry, you neglected the property and neglected it. I don't, you don't enjoy, the, uh, the, the protection of the LLC. So I'm just saying it's not, again, it's not the pedestal. It's a risk evaluation, what you're protecting. And also, yes, LLC or not LLC, make sure you have the other things because they're easy and simple and cheap. Okay. okay. If yeah. you want a more comprehensive answer, check out the podcast or the video. There's a little bit more to it, right? Yeah, but that's will. not so. For okay. Sure. Thank you guys for everything you've done. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Thanks. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah, right, appreciate it. See ya. Does anyone else have any questions before we wrap this thing up? Um, I see notes here, Jessica. Perfect. Thanks. We 
Is a pleasure changing the 20 questions to us? Oh, okay. I, I have all of those taken okay. care of. Okay. Um, are we doing on time, by the way? We are at 7.40. So that means almost two hours? We have wow. gone over again. Okay. <laughs> I hope nobody's mad. Um, okay, guys. Uh, so just to, uh, to, to say again, here's the link to sign up if you want to speak with us. Um, we are putting together more webinars as we speak. Hope to see you on the next one. Uh, hope to see more Australians too while we're at it. Um, I don't have anything on my end. Thank you very much for your time, for your patience. I didn't realize I'm already an hour and a half in. Thank you, Jessica, for uh, hanging in there. Of course, of course. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.